Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. The next two podcasts that are going to be part of Stimmy Vibrations on April 2nd, I'm excited to announce our two Autistics Talk Money with Andrew Camaro and Bridget Rankowski and Autism Stories with uh, yours truly. Andrew and Bridget will discuss ways Autistics can help protect themselves from financial exploitation and on the extended Uh, talk show style of autism stories because I wanted to do something a a little different special for this event. I will interview Christiana Koch about helping me put together uh, the the event, Stimmy Vibrations. And uh, this episode will also feature comedy from Joe Wells and music from Gabrielle Hailstone. A link to learn more about this event and register so you aren't missing out on this day to celebrate Autistic Voices can be found in the podcast description of this episode. Now on to today's episode of Autism Stories, which I will have a conversation with Noah Sebeck to talk about dispelling myths about non-speakers, starting his own business, and the importance of occupational therapists in the lives of non-speakers. During this interview with Noah, um, Noah uses um, spelling to communicate, and his dad, he has pre-typed his answers to my questions, and his dad will be reading his answers during this interview. And at the end of the, near the end of the interview, I ask Noah a couple follow-up questions, and he, he spells out his answers and his communication regulation partner will then um, speak the answers that Noah has typed out. So please, at that point of the interview, please be patient and listen to Noah's wonderful answers. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Noah, thanks so much for joining us today. I wanted to start out and learn where does your story in the autistic community begin? I'm not speaking. So until I was introduced to spelling on the letter board, my autistic story was pretty dismal. Standard, but dismal. My parents had the best intentions, but they were unaware of my true autistic profile. I have significant apraxia, which is a neurological disconnect between my motor planning and my execution. Simply put, my body can't always do what my brain tells it to do. This is why I can't speak in an understandable way. This is why anything that requires muscle movement can be challenging for me. This is what makes my body on the outside move and look awkward, weird. This is what got me labeled intellectually disabled when I'm not. Using the letter board for the first time in my life, I could actually accurately express myself and what was on the inside of me. I 
was 16. At that point, my real life got underway. So Noah, I'd like to talk to you today about something that I think is really important, which is communication regulation partners. What have been some uh, important things for you when selecting who would be a good communication partner for you? CRPs are a critical part of being able to express myself through spelling. My mom is my primary CRP. Our partnership is so finely tuned that it's hard getting used to other CRPs. It can take a tremendous amount of emotional and physical energy to hone this process, especially if a CRP's skills are not strong. My body moves rapidly and forcefully when I spell or type, making my spelling hard to follow. This is because I usually have no clue where my body is in space. There's also my heightened emotional awareness, plus my body's potential to erupt or escalate. I can unravel pretty quickly. So the most important thing is to have a CRP that really gets it, gets me. They must be confident and even killed in the face of almost anything. I can tell if they're not. Helping me balance my emotional and motor idiosyncrasies can be tricky. Finding, training, and affording someone who can is a daunting proposition. Too often people are resistant to forms of communication that aren't spoken or mouth words. Do you find this to be true for yourself and others who use spelling as their source of communication? Don't even get me started. <laughs> you have all day? Just because we don't speak with our mouths, people think we have no words. We are considered to be low-functioning, intellectually deficient, and generally less than those who can speak. Even as we point to spell with our fingers, our ability to formulate these words is still doubted. It's a huge controversy and fallacy that our CRPs are somehow puppet masters directing our spelling. They are not. We need them for regulation support and motor coaching because we have apraxia, a brain-body disconnect. And let's not forget in general that people are resistant to anything unfamiliar or different, especially if they don't understand it or if challenges, it challenges a preconceived idea. Non-speakers are neurodiverse. Our brains operate differently. Aren't we supposed to be broadly tolerant and accepting of all types of differences? And why is writing with your hand necessarily superior to using one finger to spell anyway? I don't, I don't understand. It's not superior in any way, Noah. So what would you say some of the myths or assumptions that you wish you could dispel for people in regards to how they view spellers? Non-speaking does not mean non-thinking. We have no problems with thinking. In fact, our thinking is pretty incredible. Many ways that our bodies act are not at all intentional. Weird sounds and movements we make do not match what's going on the inside. Unfortunately, this reinforces the assumption that we aren't too bright. We understand and are extremely in tune with what's being said and what's going on around us, even if it seems like we are completely distracted and unaware. We're insulted when you speak to us like toddlers or speak through, around, or to others about us like we're invisible. 
We are extremely social beings. Contrary to popular belief, we crave friends and are intuitively, intuitive emotionally. We are neurodiverse, which means our brains operate differently, not that we need to be cured. Of course, we want our apraxia to improve, but who doesn't have an area that needs some attention? We are human beings, so like any other, we have hopes, dreams, fears, ideas, and opinions. We want to pursue our goals and have the opportunity to fulfill our potential to the best of our ability. Like anyone else, we want to live our best life. Just because it's an autistic one doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. So Noah, one thing that we have in common is that we've both started our own business. And you started a business called Quirk, where neurodiversity thrives. And the, the mission of Quirk is compassionate partnering to empower non-speaking autistics to overcome, grow, and thrive. Why was it so important for you to start this business? Humanity and potential have been questioned and underestimated my entire life. As a non-speaking autistic, my differences have been considered deficits. The persistent trauma that we endure because of systematic misperceptions, underestimation, and mistreatment is crushing. Add to that, once we finally do have a voice, we have to prove our intelligence over and over because people don't believe it's us doing the spelling. The idea that we need better education and opportunities, that we have the ability and the right to speak into our own lives is rejected. And don't forget, we have garden variety stressors too. Don't you think this might create some baggage? You get little meaningful help navigating this unsettling internal plan. I've been there and can relate. I had a big help of most unappetizing items on the non-speaking autistic menu. I can be a safe space and sounding board with a neurodiverse perspective for non-speakers and their families. I believe that every non-speaker's individual journey deserves to be nurtured and encouraged. So as an entrepreneur myself, I know there certainly can be lots of challenges along the way. What, what would you say has maybe been the biggest challenge or two for you, Noah, in this process? I was able to participate in a one-of-a-kind program for entrepreneurs with disabilities called Eye to Eye, Idea to Incubation, through the nonprofit Synergies work. This helped me tremendously with the ins and outs small business. Also, my parents were all in. They are an integral part of my team while still learning, allowing me autonomy and agency. But it gets tricky when I'm so reliant on their support to execute many of the business-related tasks. It's been a work in progress balancing this interdependence, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Now, through Quirk, you offer peer mentoring, and your clients have access to being supported by an occupational therapist in this process. In what ways have you seen OTs helpful to non-speakers? To me, OTs are invaluable because their training and skill set is such a good match for our motor and sensory differences. We have purposeful movement challenges with many motor tasks, not just communication. So we need purposeful movement to be promoted in all areas of our life. OTs are also well-versed 
sensory processing, so make great resources for co and self-regulation. A crucial skill for us. My CRP is a triple threat: an OT, a spelling practitioner, and a mom. That is a triple threat. That is very impressive, Noah. So something that's um, super frustrating to me is whenever throughout my life I haven't been able to participate and have aut autonomy and decision making. That's that's very frustrating. So talking about this, especially for non-speakers, do you have any suggestion to help them to become more active participants in their in this process? But multiply your frustration exponentially, and you still won't be close to how frustrated non-speakers are. They have lived with someone deciding on our behalf for far too long. Many times, well-intentioned people, so-called experts, chart our course, but we are the experts on us. That's why I call myself a lived experience expert. Non-speakers need to be consulted and ultimately be empowered to decide on issues that affect them. Parents and caregivers have much unlearning to do because they come accustomed to speaking for us. Even after we are spelling, there is still a power dynamic present with communication. The CRP often apparent holds the letterboard and the accents. They hold the power. Expressing our true feelings, thoughts, and needs can make a novice or even an experienced speller feel vulnerable and extremely dysregulated. Plus, a new, as new communicators, we have little practice and experience with this type of meaningful exchange. Those communicating with us must be mindful of this and help foster our autonomy. And Noah, how can listeners learn more about your business, Quirk, and contact you to use your services? The listeners can contact me through my website, quirkthrives.com. That's Q-U-I-R-K-T-H-R-I-V-E-S.com. I'd like to encourage non-speakers, parents, caregivers, professionals, or any other stakeholders in a non-speaking autistic community looking for neurodiverse insight to reach out. Wonderful. Okay, I have a couple of follow-up questions then. So I guess my first question, Noah, is you were talking about a little bit earlier about how getting used to a new CRP is, is very, very challenging. What, do you have any um, suggestions or have there things worked in your life in terms of, you know, strategies that helped you to get comfortable with a, with a new CRP?
mom, but it's CRP speaking right now. Quite honestly, we can mold our spelling a bit to help a CRP follow us using simple words and structure. But mainly, I look for confidence. They have to believe they can do it. And you were, you were talking earlier, Noah, about making a safe space for um, non-speakers. What would be some things that you do to make, uh, or other people can do, to make spaces to kind of feel a lot safer for, for non-speakers in communication? Absolutely. Now, uh, Noah, I, I just want to thank you for your time today. It was a pleasure to communicate with you. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much to Noah for the conversation. To learn more about Noah and his business, check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. I really enjoyed hearing Noah's thoughts on starting his business, Quirk, where neurodiversity thrives. If you're passionate like Noah about something and think, I would like to see if I can turn that thing into a business or find a way to make some income from that, then Autism Personal Coach may be exactly what you need as we help our clients pursue self-employment in many cases. If this sounds like something you may be interested in, then book a free call with me today to discuss working with Autism Personal Coach. A link for the free call can be found in the podcast description of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories, and if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it, so they could have the same enjoyable experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be very much appreciated. On the next episode of Autism Stories, we will discuss where to find resources to learn more about the autistic experience. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.